I like bread. I don't know about you, but I really like bread. And I can remember growing up, one time I was seated around the table and I had a piece of bread and I said, I guess the Lord's Prayer has been fulfilled today. And uh, my parents said, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, give us this day our daily bread. And I got it. Well, there's so much more to that phrase, give us this day our daily bread, than just getting a delectable piece of carbohydrates, if you know what I mean. I, I mean, if you've thought about give us this day our daily bread, maybe you've thought, yeah, that means just basically my sustenance. It means a roof over my head, the food on my table and the clothes on my back. And that's pretty much it. That's what's entailed in those words, give us this day our daily bread. But there's so much more to it than that. So much more encompassed in that perspective of those simple words, give us this day our daily bread. And if you're like me, there's many different perspectives that you hear from people around us. And two of them are not very good, quite frankly. Here's the first perspective about how our daily bread is gained. Here it is. I did it. I'm the one who put in the time. I got the education. I put in the extra hours. I work overtime. Everything I have in my life, I deserve. This person's favorite tune is me, 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 me. And their favorite song is, I did it my way. Yeah, this is the attitude of an atheist. But also under this title, I did it, is the person that says, you know, I was just at the right place at the right time. Everything fell into place for me. I look at my life and I'm so very fortunate. I'm so lucky. Things have always gone my way. I guess I'm just, you know, the lucky stars have smiled upon me and fate has delivered me. This is the attitude of the fatalist. And it comes under the heading, I did it. Everything I have is because of me, 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 me. And nothing I have in life is there but because of me. I did it. So this person's perspective is regarding their daily bread is they're the ones who earned it. And it's there because of what they've done. The second attitude that also is not correct but also may epitomize some of us here today is we did it. God and I kind of cooperated together. Yes, God gave me the opportunities, but I seized the moment. I seized the day. I did what God was leading me to do. God opened the door, and I went through it. Reminds me of a conversation I had many years ago with a man who started a, a, a small business in a small town. And he did very, very well. And he said something like this. Yeah, God gave me the opportunities. God did that, but I did the rest. I made the decisions, I got the education, I have the wisdom, the knowledge, the expertise. Yeah, God did it, but I went through the door, so we did it together. Now I want to ask you, if you've met someone like that, what would you say? I remember saying something like this to that individual, I said, you know what, who opened the door? 
Who gave you the knowledge? Who gave you the wisdom, the expertise? Who created the opportunities? Who gave you a wife and children and parents and grandparents who encouraged you to go that direction? Who gave you the mindset and the people skills to have that kind of vision and to get along with people? Who's the one who gave you the opportunity to think about this being a small business in this town where no other business regarding that exists? Who opened the door for that? So I basically was saying, it's not you, it's all God. And when I said that, I think I could hear some crickets chirping. <laughs> so before I go any further, when it comes to your daily bread, are you number one? I did it. God had nothing to do with it. Are you number two? Well, God opened the doors, but I went through it and I did the rest. Or is there a different perspective we're missing today? And I think that God is speaking to us powerfully when we think of these words, give us this day, our daily bread. To help us understand what that all means, we go to Luke chapter 17, and this is a powerful, powerful text. This is what it says in verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. So he was with his disciples, passing between this border between Samaria and Galilee. And on this border were lepers. Some were Jews from Galilee, some were Samaritans from Samaria. And yet they were bound together by a common understanding that they had a disease. They had leprosy. And so they were bound together, isolated and distant from others. That's where they were gathered. And Jesus was traveling along the border and he saw both these Samaritan lepers and these Jewish lepers living kind of in a colony all by themselves. Verse 12, go ahead and look at it. And as he entered the village, namely Jesus... He, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. Who were these lepers? They were isolated. And oftentimes, when people had leprosy, it was a death sentence. People didn't recover from leprosy. It meant that they were dying. And because they were so contagious, they were isolated. And many people in the populace looked at them and said, this is God's judgment upon something in their life. They've done some really bad stuff, and as a result of those really bad things, God is getting even by giving them this leprosy. That's the attitude that many people had about lepers. And where were they? They were standing at a distance. Why were they standing at a distance? Because they were contagious. And so usually lepers stood at least 50 yards away, especially if they were standing downwind. The wind was blowing this way and people were out there. They stood at least 50 yards away because leprosy was so contagious and was basically airborne. Verse 12, as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. Verse 13, and he lifted up, and they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Have mercy on us. Why did they see Jesus? Master. Because they understood that Jesus was the master of all. Because they understood that he was the Lord of life. They had heard about the miracles that Jesus had performed, and they knew all about it, and they thought, if there's anybody who can make us well, it's this guy. It's the Lord, the master, the king, 
the one who may indeed be the Son of God and the promised Messiah. We've heard about him. He has power to make us well. Lord Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Verse 14. And when Jesus saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Oftentimes, lepers were so isolated, people didn't want to be around them because they were so uncomfortable being around them because of their diseases. They didn't want to be around them. They were isolated. But Jesus, being all-knowing and all-powerful and all-recognizing, saw that these men were in need. He saw their need. And I love the application of that. Jesus sees our needs as well. He's very cognizant of what's going on in our life. He recognized these lepers needed help. He recognizes the times that we need help as well. And so we go back to the text. When Jesus saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, why did he say that? Because the priests in each individual town in the synagogue would validate whether these men had leprosy or not. And if they had leprosy, they would validate, these men are unclean, don't be around them. But also, as a priest who would validate if they'd been healed, if they were cleansed, if that leprosy was no longer a problem for them. Of course, that happens so very rarely. So Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest and validate that you indeed have been made well. Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were, what's it say there? They were cleansed. An amazing thing, an incredible miracle has happened. Jesus has taken away their leprosy. Now, for the first time, maybe for a long time, they can hang out with their friends. For the first time, maybe for the the entire life of these individuals, they now could be with their family. For the first time, in maybe a long time, or maybe their whole life, they could work with others. Their whole life took on a different perspective. Now they're free. Now they no longer have leprosy. Now they're free. Now they can individually be with other people. They're no longer isolated. They can hang out with others. This is an amazing thing. They have been cleansed. Verse 15, and one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. Have you ever wondered... How come the other nine didn't return? How come they didn't give thanks? One commentator said that it could very well be that they were so excited about being with their family and friends and being in their place of of job once again that they were so overwhelmed and so excited about what had happened in their life. It's not that they forgot. They just wanted to go on with their life. They wanted to hang out with their family that they probably hadn't been with for years. So oftentimes we just kind of castigate those guys and say, look at what they've done. They were ungrateful. They weren't filled with humility. They didn't thank God. But I think they just wanted to go on with their life. However, they should have returned to give thanks. And that's what this one leper does. He comes back to Jesus as we go on. He comes back to Jesus, and it says this in verse 16, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan, and as you know, Jews and Samaritans didn't get along very well. Verse 17, then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed, where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner, verse 19. And he said to him, rise and go your way, your faith 
has made you will. What, what was the attitude of this guy? He came back with two basic attitudes, really three. Number one, he was praising God. Number one, he was praising God. He knew the source. He knew the source of who had made him well. It wasn't fate. It wasn't luck. He wasn't at the right place at the right time. It was all Jesus. Give praise to God. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. This is amazing. He comes back to Jesus praising God. Secondly, he comes with a humble heart. He realizes he's not done it. He's done nothing to deserve it. It's not that he did it through his own expertise, knowledge, wisdom, or skill. He realizes Jesus did it all. So he comes back humbly before the Lord, kneeling before him, saying, you've done it. So not only did he praise God, not only did he have an attitude of humility, but finally he had a grateful heart. He said, Lord Jesus, thank you for what you've done. This is amazing what you have done, and I give you all praise and honor and glory because of what you have done. Here's the question I have for you right now. Did these individuals have anything to do with being made well? No. It was Jesus who did it all. Yeah, they walked on their way, but Jesus cleansed them. Jesus made them well. When it comes to our daily bread, when it comes to our daily bread, you can have the attitude that says, I did it. Or you can have the attitude that says, I cooperated with God and we did it. Or you can have this attitude. He did it. He did it. I don't hear that very often, quite frankly. Down through the years in ministry, I hear number two a lot. I cooperated with God. I did it, but... Very rarely do I hear somebody humbly say, Jesus has done it all. Look at this from Martin Luther. This is something many of you memorized when you were a kid, and it is just packed with good stuff. Give us this day our daily bread. What does this mean? God certainly gives daily bread to everyone without our prayers. Isn't that true? Whether they're believers or not, he gives daily bread to everybody, even to all evil people. Isn't that amazing? But we pray in this petition that God would lead us to realize, listen to this, to, to realize this and to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving, to realize it's all from God. Sorry, I'm yelling. It's all from God. It's all from God. All of it. Look at this. He goes on to say this. Give us this day our daily bread. What is meant by daily bread? Look at this. Daily bread includes everything that has to do with the support and needs of the body, such as food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, home, land, my dog Dash, animals, money. Money? Oh, I deserve it. No. Who gave you the knowledge, the expertise, the opportunity, the mindset, money, goods, a devout husband or wife? How many of you have said down through the years, well, I lucked out with my wife, or I lucked out with my husband? Isn't it better to say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done? Thank you for giving me my spouse, devout children, 
devout workers, devout and faithful rulers, good government. How many times do we criticize and castigate and ridicule our governmental leaders? I hear a lot of that in this day and age. Should we not be praying for them? Should we not thank God that we live in the greatest country of the history of the planet? God bless you, I say. Thank you, Jesus, that we live here. Thank you that we enjoy these freedoms, that we do have good government that allows us the freedoms to do what we do. If we lived in a third world country, we may not be here today. If we lived in China, we'd have to be worshiping underground. Oh my goodness, God is so good. Good government, good. Whether I remember, I remember growing up here in Denver, they said that Denver, Colorado was the climate capital of the world. How many of you remember that? 360, or whatever it is, 300 days of sunshine. We live in a marvelous place. We have good weather. Have you ever said, thank you, Jesus, for this weather? Thank you, Jesus, that I live in a place where we have over 300 days of sunshine a day, a year. This is our daily bread. Good weather, peace, health. That's why I chose this text. These guys had crummy health. The 10 lepers had lousy health. Jesus made them well. One came back and said, I praise you. I humble myself before you and I thank you. These are the attitudes we embrace as Christians. Health, self-control, good reputation. If you have a good reputation, that too is part of your daily bread. Good friends. How many of you look at the friends that God has placed around you in everyday life and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Faithful neighbors. And then he ends this by saying, what? What's the last three words? And the like. In other words, Luther is saying there, I could go on and on. I mean, these are just examples So this is what we do. What heightens our understanding of the fourth petition? What heightens our understanding of these words? Give us this day our daily bread. Here it is. Number one, humility. And the second one is simply thanksgiving. God, I don't deserve that. That's that's humility. I don't deserve this. Guys, follow me here. I don't. I don't deserve this. And God, you're the giver of all good gifts. I thank you for what you've done. You are an amazing, astounding God, and I humble myself before you because I realize that every good gift I have is not something I deserve or merit or earn or work for. I realize it's all you, whether it's my health, my mind, the people around me, the house I live in. We can go on and on. It's all God. It's all God. It's not us. Look at this. This is James 1.17. Would you read this with me? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Did you hear that? Every. Every. The key word there is every. Not I did it, not we did it, but rather what? He did it. Let me say that again. Not I did it, not we did it, but rather what? He did it. He did it. He does it. He will continue to do it in your life. So here's the big point. 
I like to nail it down to one big point every sermon. Here it is. Take it home and live it. God is the giver of all good gifts. He's the giver of all good gifts. What would happen? What would your life look like if you really lived this every day? I told my confirmation kids this past week as we were talking about this, I said, when God does amazing things, don't say I'm lucky or I'm fortunate or, you know, things went well for me today. I've had a good day, blah, blah, blah. Every time something great or good or just normal happens in your life, say these three simple words. Thank you, Jesus. Turn on the radio and you're listening to K-Love and you hear a wonderful song on the way to work. Thank you, Jesus. You're on your way and you're in your car and your car gets you safely to that place where you work. Thank you, Jesus. Your boss greets you with a smile. Thank you, Jesus. You have a great day where things fall into place at work. Thank you, Jesus. You go to the doctor and you get a good diagnosis. Thank you, Jesus. On and on and on and on. You know what takes away grumbling or a crummy attitude? Here it is. A grateful heart. A grateful heart. God is the giver of every good, and I love that word, perfect gift. And what is the greatest gift of all? The gift of salvation, peace, eternal life. Through that perfect gift, God's only son, Jesus Christ. I say it so often, and I'll say it once again. We are so blessed. And may we embrace an attitude that says not, I did it, or God and I, we have a partnership, we did it, he did it, God is the giver of all good gifts, amen.